Hello, and welcome to the Wealth Management Invest podcast. I'm your host, David Bodemer. I'm an editor with the WealthManagement.com editorial team. In this podcast, uh, which is a new one for us, we're going to be talking all about the world of private investment, cutting edge technologies, as well as getting you know the latest developments and things like traditional ETFs and SMAs, all that good stuff. And I'm excited to kick off our first episode with our guest, Steve Bredin, who is head of private wealth solutions with Hamilton Lane. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, David. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. So before, you know, I've got some questions for you, but before we get into that, if you wanted to just take a minute, give folks who may not be familiar with the firm or yourself, just a quick, you know, bio and and some info about what Hamilton Lane does. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, As you said, I'm Steve Brennan. I'm the head of private wealth solutions here at Hamilton Lane. And Hamilton Lane is a leading private markets investment management firm. We've been around for over 30 years. We have about $820 billion of assets under management and supervision, of which about 120 billion of that is discretionary assets under management. And our objective is to bring private market solutions for all types of investors. We got our start really in the institutional side of the business, uh, being a solution provider for big sophisticated institutional investors and helping them meet their private market objectives. And more recently, within the last three to five years, we've moved into the high net worth space where we're bringing the same private market solutions that we've worked with institutional investors with for years to the high net worth market. Um, And we're really excited about that evolution of our business. It's something that really fits well with what we've done historically and the market receptivity of Hamilton Lane in in the high net worth space has been great. Yeah, so that's that's you know primarily what we're interested in hearing about. It there has been this evolution, right, in in the private wealth space. There seems to be an increasing amount of both fund types and investment opportunities that are be, becoming available for advisors and their clients. Can you talk a bit about how that has come into play? What what's facilitated the development of of that business, and why do you see so much potential there? Yeah, it, you know, it's a great question, and 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 one that we think a lot about. I think. To start, if we, if we take a step back, I think the, you know, it's estimated that the high net worth market itself includes somewhere in the range of $86 trillion in assets. And historically, high net worth investors have not allocated significant capital into the private markets. And so the private markets managers have been trying to figure out ways that they could tap into that huge pool of capital that that represents the high net worth market. And so historically, what we've had is a market where you needed to meet very high minimums in order to -hmm. to make an investment into a private equity fund, for example, and you needed to meet a certain qualification standard as effectively an institutional investor to participate in the asset class. And what's happened over the last three to five years is that the private market's managers have become a lot smarter and they have created structures for funds that allow high net worth investors to participate in the asset class in a much more efficient way. So they figured out ways to reduce the minimums to allow investors to participate in the asset class, to reduce the accreditation standard for an investor. So you no longer have to be an institutional investor to participate in the asset class and really make it much more efficient for investors to to make a commitment into a fund in terms of the documentation process, in terms of tax efficiency, 
and in terms of the general administration of a private market investment. And what I mean by that is that these new structures make it so that you don't have to make capital calls right. as, as an investor. You can actually fully fund your investment on day one. You don't have to wait around until the end of a 10 to 12 year life fund in order to get distributions. You can request liquidity on a periodic basis. And so I think what, what we've really happened, it happened is this confluence of, I think, high net worth investors have realized the benefits of private markets investing and the performance benefits that the asset class can bring. And the private markets managers have figured out a structure solution that meets the needs of high net worth investors. And when those two things have come together, we've started to see a dramatic increase in the allocations of high net worth investors into the private markets. And for structures, are we talking about things like interval funds, tender offer funds, BDCs, those kind of structures where we have these lower, just the, the one, you know, no capital calls, the, the liquidity sleeves, uh, and, and the 1099 reporting, things like that? That's correct. And so we would we would sort of categorize that segment of the market broadly as, as evergreen funds, but they are essentially registered funds. As you said, it's non-traded REITs, non-traded BDCs, interval funds, tender offer funds, things like that. And, you know, historically, that segment of the market, the registered fund segment of the market, made up, you know, somewhere between two and three percent of the total NAV of the private markets in aggregate. And that's going back, you know, five to 10 years ago. More recently, we've seen an increase to where registered funds now make up somewhere between eight and 10 percent of the private markets NAV. So it's more than doubled the, the, the size of the registered fund market. And that's largely because of what we just talked about, the private markets managers creating more of these solutions to help meet the needs of the high net worth market. And we would expect that trend to continue for all the reasons that, that we talked about. I, I think for the most part, the, the, the key benefits of those evergreen funds would be First and foremost, that your capital gets fully deployed on day one. You don't have to wait to make a multi, go through a multi-year commitment period where you're paying capital calls over time. And then the second real key is that the, the investment minimums have been lowered dramatically. For a traditional private equity fund, for example, the investment minimum has historically been five to ten million dollars. Mm -hmm. For these evergreen funds, you could see minimums as low as fifty thousand dollars or less. And then liquidity is the, a real key element for high net worth investors. In a traditional private equity fund, you're locked up for 10 to 12 years. You don't control when you get distributions back, but you would be expected to get distributions in years, say, four through 12 of the life of that fund. With these evergreen funds, you have the option typically for limited liquidity on a quarterly basis. And then finally, we talked about the tax reporting in a traditional private equity fund, you would tend to get a K-1 from tax reporting. Many of these evergreen funds we're talking about come with a 1099, which dramatically simplifies the tax reporting for investors. Our observation has been that, that anyone that gets a K-1 when it comes to tax reporting would prefer not to get another one if they had the choice. And so these new structures have been really advantageous. And these structures are going across credit real estate, real assets? What are some of the popular strategies that are in play right now? 
Yeah, so I would say, you know, from a market standpoint, in the in the early days of these registered or evergreen funds, real estate became immediately popular. Credit was then sort of the next area to, to pick up. And what we're seeing today is a real increase in the number of private equity offerings and real asset offerings that are coming to market. Hamilton Lane today has a number of these evergreen funds. We have a, an evergreen platform today that has about $5 billion of NAV across three dedicated products. Two of those products are in the private equity space. And one of those products today is in the private credit space. And I would say the vast majority of our capital today, about 90% plus of our capital is in the private equity products, including a product available to US investors called the Hamilton Lane Private Asset Fund, which is a 40 act registered fund available widely for U.S. investors uh, at, fi at a $50,000 investment minimum. So it feels like one of the things that's triggered a lot of interest in this space was, you know, looking back at 2022 and the, and it was a rough year for the 60-40 portfolio. That seems like it triggered some dis discussion and interest about like the real importance of diversifying away from that. Where do we sit now, you know, going into 2024, especially with, what the Fed is signaling around interest rates and how that may affect uh, this, this side of the business? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the real benefits of the private markets is that historically they have generated outperformance above the public markets in almost any type of market environment that we're in. And quite frankly, they've outperformed the, the public markets in, in pretty much every year out of the last 20 years. And so Hamilton Lane, we are exclusively dedicated to the private market. So I, I would be the last person to give you my prediction on what to expect out of the public markets going forward. But what, what I could tell you is that private equity has outperformed public equity in, in all different types of return scenarios. So if, if we think that we are headed into a, a challenging market for public equities, where public equities are gen going to generate negative 5% to positive 5% returns. I could tell you that historically, private equity has outperformed in that type of market environment by over 600 basis points. And if, we, and if you think that public equities are going to generate 8, 5 to 10% returns over the next number of years, I could tell you that, public, that private equity has outperformed by 800 basis points in that type of environment. Really, the only type of environment where private equity hasn't generated massive or really significant outperformance is in a real bull market scenario. And so if we were headed to a public market scenario that where we expected the S&P 500 to return greater than 15%, I would tell you in that type of market environment, private equity is only outperformed by about 1% historically. But broadly, the private markets have generated a, a nice level of outperformance above the public markets, and we would expect that to continue. I think the, the benefits of diversification that private equity will bring to high net worth investors is also something that, that shouldn't be discounted. Adding that diversification to your portfolio, to a traditional 60-40 portfolio or what have you, will bring you know, huge benefits from a risk standpoint, and we think will also generate additional outperformance. And 
you know, what are some of the, you know, questions or concerns that you face, you know, when talking to advisors who may be like skeptical of whether this is right for their clients? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what's pretty clear is that there is like a knowledge gap that exists between advisors' expertise when it comes to public markets and when it comes to private markets. And so I think first and foremost, from our standpoint, what we need to do is focus on education of advisors and their clients on how the private markets function and what the benefits of the private markets would be. And so that that's where we really start here. And one of the ways that we've done that is through what we call the Hamilton Lane Knowledge Center, where investors can effectively go to the Hamilton Lane website go to our knowledge center and learn about the private markets in a very, very, you know, user-friendly way. So for example, you could go to our knowledge center today and you could learn about secondaries in private equity in 60 seconds, where we we'd provide you with a 60 second video that would tell you exactly what the secondary market in private equity is or venture capital or co-investments or, uh, or evergreen funds, for example. And so that's been a huge area of focus for us. And then the other questions, you know, the other areas of concern have, have largely been around once people get comfortable with the asset class, it's been around understanding the construction of the portfolio that you're building for their clients and where the risks may lay in, in, in those portfolios. I think what we've tried to get across to advisors is that, in, you know, Hamilton Lane has two flagship private equity evergreen funds. And so what we're explaining to advisors is that the exposure you're getting from private equity is still equity. You're getting exposure to private companies that, that function very, in similar industries as public companies. And if you think about it, you're, you're accessing an area of the market that represents a huge opportunity for investors. Um, and so what we talk about in that space is that if you just looked across the United States today, at the number of companies that generate over $100 million in revenue in, in, in North America. 87% of the companies that generate over $100 million in revenue are private, and only 13% of the companies that generate over $100 million in revenue are public. So globally, there are over 140,000 private companies with revenues over $100 million versus only 19,000 public companies with the same revenues. So what we try to, to educate advisors on and their clients is that you're tapping into the equity of companies that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten exposure to. And the opportunity set to choose from in the private markets is far larger than what you get in the public markets. And we think that the private markets bring a whole host of benefits to them in terms of their ability to generate outperformance versus the public markets. I think they've historically done that in all kinds of market environments. And I think part of the reasons that they're able to do that is some of the governance associated with private equity is, you know, bring some real advantages to the asset class. And what I mean by that is when, when a private equity firm acquires a company, they own the majority control of that company. So, they, they have the ability to, to control the board of directors and they can align that board in a way that is aligned with the management team and to maximize the value of the business. They're not focused on quarterly earning calls. They're focused on strategically growing the business. 
the management team of a private equity owned company is empowered really to look out further and be a little bit more strategic and make investments that they believe will pay off for the business in that medium and long term, as opposed to being focused on the short term operations of a company that you would find with, with a public, you know, a publicly traded firm. And so we think that that, you know, having a blend and having that additional exposure into the private markets is hugely advantageous for individual investors. And how does it work? You know, when you, when you think about private equity, a lot of times like with, you know, the big names and the big deals, there's thought about also the, the timing and the exit strategy, partly because of the kind of funds. So how is that different with these kind of evergreen funds? Are you thinking about exit strategies or, or around the ownership or is it more like this is a good investment or and we could just be in this company for however long we want to be in it? Yeah, we're, we're certainly evaluating each investment by, you know, first and foremost, whether we think it's going to generate a strong return for our investors. And then secondarily, we're, we're thinking about the liquidity that that investment can provide and when that investment will provide some liquidity. And so what we do is we model that out with our overall portfolio construction to make sure that we're comfortable that we can provide our investors with liquidity when they need it and also be able to make investments into the type of you know, long-term privately owned companies that are going to generate the returns that we're looking for. And so it's a really, it's a balancing act that's focused primarily on finding great companies to invest in. Um, but we also, we also think about their cash flow profile, how long we think we'll be holding that investment and, and making sure that our portfolio is constructed in a way where we could provide liquidity for our investors when they need it. And is there like an average company size or deal size in the in your funds? It varies. We tend to be focused in, in our private equity, our flagship private equity evergreen funds, our private asset fund today that is is a one point four billion dollar NAV fund. We tend to be middle market focused, mm -hmm. so we tend to be sourcing our deals through middle market private equity managers and investing directly in companies alongside of them. And then we also do secondary. So we acquire existing investors mm -hmm. interest in private equity funds on the secondary market as part of that portfolio as well to round out the private equity exposure. So we're middle market focused with a blend of direct investments into companies and secondaries. And is the secondaries also partly to like help with uh, vintage diversification so that you're kind of in different age deals as part of the fund? For sure. Yeah. Secondaries bring a whole host of benefits. For one thing, when you buy into a secondary, you're fully funding the investment on day one. So that helps us get our capital to work uh, quickly. And then typically you get diversification benefits because you're buying into a pool of assets or a portfolio that's been invested previously and has some exposure across different time periods. And then finally, you know, secondaries are often purchased at a discount. And so when you acquire an asset at a discount, it generates an immediate positive performance impact for our portfolio when we bring that asset into, into the overall fund. And what about on the, the private credit side? What is, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of buzz about that right now. There certainly seems to be a lot, of, a lot of activity. Is that, you know, how does that play into what you're doing right now? Yeah, so so we we have a a private credit evergreen fund as well. That fund today is available for non-US investors 
and it's still relatively new. We think that there's a, you know, it's it's a great time to be a private credit investor. I think private credit has really stepped in and filled a void over the last five to 10 years that was left by the banks who are no longer lending to private companies in the same way that they have historically. And what we've seen over time is that the banks have not come back at all in any meaningful way into that market. And the private credit market has grown dramatically. And what we're doing in our fund is we're, you know, we're lending to performing middle market businesses um, at the most senior level, you know, end of the capital structure. And we're able to help them fund acquisitions or fund growth of their businesses. And these tend to be private equity owned businesses to start with, where we could really have a good understanding of the strategy and the operations of the company before we we lend them money. And, and so it's been a, a strong strategy for us and a great growth area for the industry in general. And maybe one last question here that I have is, you know, from, from like an RIA perspective and like a practice management perspective, how important do you think it is for, you know, an RIA to be willing or to have some expertise in doing something on the private side? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly biased here, but I would (laughs) tell you that I think it's probably the single most important thing that an advisor can be doing today. I think our sense is that if you were to look back 10 years from now and and try to determine which advisors generated the best performance for their clients, the answer will be pretty simple. The ones that allocated more capital to the private markets on behalf of their clients are going to do better than those that didn't allocate as much to the private markets on behalf of their clients. And we think that the more you allocate to the private markets, the better the the result will be. The less you allocate, the worse the result will be. And so from our perspective, the, the evidence is clear. Private equity and the private markets have outperformed the public markets over the long term. They bring a whole host of benefits to a portfolio. And, and you now have the ability through these new structures to invest in these asset classes in a very efficient way. And so it will be incumbent on advisors to, to learn as much as they can and to implement a successful and, and well thought out allocation to the private markets for their clients if they want to generate the best outcomes for their for their clients over the long term. And you talked about the you know knowledge center that's on the Hamilton Lean website. Do you, are there other good resources or places folks should be looking for getting exposure, getting education on on private markets? Yeah, I, you know, I would say that pretty much every every firm out there today is is doing something on the education uh, from from an education standpoint. So I think there's lots of good resources out there, and then there's 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 lots of good resources from some of the the you know the industry players, whether it be Kaya or the CFA Society and folks like that. Um, what we've really tried to do with our knowledge center is do it in a way that that you know is as as efficient as possible for advisors where you can watch a quick 60 second video to understand different elements of the the private markets or you can dive into our immersive guide to the pri- interactive guide to the private markets or you can read any of our long form white papers and we'll continue to be expanding that because you know as we said before that I do think that's the single most important thing that we can be doing today is to be providing education to advisors and their clients to better understand the asset class the more they understand these asset classes, the more comfortable they will be to allocating their client capital into it. 
So any final thoughts or anything that I didn't ask you that you think would be good to leave the audience with? No, I would, I would just say, you know, thank you very much, David, for having me. I really appreciate it. I think from, from Hamilton Lane's standpoint, we are thrilled to be a leader in the private markets asset class and to be bringing our solutions to the high net worth market today. We think that it represents a massive growth area for us and an untapped opportunity for advisors to do well for their clients by exposing them to the private markets asset class in a way that'll be beneficial in the long term. We're, we're you know, obviously thrilled to, to be on with you today and we'll, you know, thrilled to continue the conversation as we go forward and, and continue to be a leader here in the private market space for high net worth investors. Well, great. Thank you, Steve, so much for your time and thank you for coming on the podcast. Great. Thank you, David. David, how can people get in touch with you if they have some questions? Uh, you can find me on wealthmanagement.com or Twitter or LinkedIn uh, or reach me at david.bodemer at uh, informa.com, I-N-F-O-R-M-A.com. And if you have thoughts on what we should be covering in this podcast, please hit me up. Well, thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. 